I'm Dr. Raymond, and I'm here with two cardiac electrophysiologists, Dr. Mohamed Iqbal and Dr. Giki Karwiki from Hassan Sadikin General Hospital, Faculty of Medicine, Universitas Pajajaran, Bandung, Indonesia, to discuss our study titled Very High Power Short Duration versus Conventional Ablation for Pulmonary Vein Isolation in Atrial Fibrillation, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. This topic stems from the fact that despite the advances in AF ablation and improvement in PVI durability, the procedural duration of PVI remained considerably long, this imposing constraints on the quantity of ablation that can be performed in a given day, and thereby leading to a lengthy waiting list. Meanwhile, waiting time and longer time to ablation from diagnosis were associated with increased morbidity and AF recurrence. One of the current approaches is very high-power short-duration ablation, which can significantly shorten the procedure time and possibly increase effectiveness. Although single-shot systems offer short procedural duration, point-by-point -point ablation retains advantage that will be discussed shortly. However, the use of very high-power ablation technique raises safety concerns. Thus, our systematic review and meta-analysis investigate very high-power, short-duration ablation versus conventional ablation for PVI in AF. The aim of this study was to compare the effectiveness and safety of very high-power, short-duration ablation with conventional ablation for pulmonary vein isolation in patients with AF. A total of 13 studies comprising of 1,527 patients were included in this analysis. AF recurrence occurred in 40% of the VHVSD group, and VHVSD was associated with lower AF recurrence with the OR of 0.65 compared with the conventional ablation group. Subgroup analysis showed that additional ablation beyond PVI had a similar rate of AF recurrence that is 16% versus 10% compared with PVI alone. Procedure and ablation durations were significantly shorter in the VHPSD group. Complications occurred in 6% of the VHPSD group, and the rates were similar between two groups. VHPSD ablation resulted in less AF recurrence and a shorter procedural time, according to our study. Dr. Iqbal, what is your thought on the rhythm control in atrial fibrillation? Uh, okay, thank you. So if we take a look a bit at the history of the rhythm control, we already know that the previous large trial search as AFRAM trial already published almost two decades ago, as I remember is uh, around 2002, showed that the outcome, the rhythm and the rate control was same. But however, at that time, the rhythm was mainly using the anti-arrhythmic drug, especially on Angeron. But we have to be careful to make a conclusion that rate and rhythm control is the same. Because the from trial actually showed that the benefit, the benefit of rhythm control. But the benefit of the rhythm control was offside by the side effect of the anti-arrhythmic drug, mainly with amiodarone. Therefore, the net clinical benefit of the rhythm control was not too obvious at the time. And uh, such a clinical trial, the current clinical trials such as STAR-AF, 
Cabana trial, also in the Castalea trial, supported the strong role of the catheter ablation or rhythm control is superior compared to the red control and also for the patient with heart failure. And moreover, uh, is AFNet provide the benefit of the early rhythm control with antiarrhythmic drug and catheter ablation also? We have to remember that AF begets AF, sinus begets sinus, AF begets heart failure. Therefore, I believe that the earlier rhythm control to main sinus rhythm is better. The earlier is better. While the evidence supporting ablation is getting stronger and AF ablation, I think it's uh, becoming more efficacious. The, but the procedural, procedural duration was considerably long. Uh, colossal operator, probably. Thus, imposing constraints on the quantity of ablation that can be performed within a given day. So, probably, if you have a lot of case of AF, the leading to a lengthy waiting list. Moreover, we already know uh, we already know that the longer time of procedure also make higher complication. Uh, also, make higher complication in some cases. Meanwhile, waiting time and longer time to ablation from diagnosis uh, probably were associated with increased mobility and also AF frequency. As I said before, AF begets AF, uh, AF begets heart failure, and paroxysmal AF become persistent AF. That, that's my opinion. Uh, thank you, Dr. Iqbal, for the answer. We have come a long way with more evidence supporting rhythm control by catheter ablation. The indication for ablation is ever expanding and it should be met with increased efficiency with shorter procedure without compromising efficacy. This brings us to the next question. What is your thought on the future of radio frequency ablation? And how does it fare compared to other methods such as pulse field ablation or cryobalut ablation, Dr. Iqbal? Uh, okay, Dr. Planata, thank you. So we already know that uh, some current approach and also the traditional approach of the area ablation, the traditional approach I call long, low power, long durations. We can use 30 to 40 watts for about 20 to 40 seconds. And then the new one is high power, short duration. We can increase the power up to 50 watts, probably we ablate for about 10 seconds. And the latest one, very high power, short duration, even we can increase the power in uh, to the 90 watts for about uh, four seconds. So we will discuss the very high power, short duration. Uh, the catheter is novel contact force, uh, optimized for temperature control ablation with microelectrode and six thermal couple for real-time temperature monitoring during ablation. So the associated uh, very high power short duration algorithm module to maintain target temperature during lesion formation for maximum, let's say temperature is say, five degrees Celsius by using uh, 90 watt for about four uh, for second. Uh, theoretically, and also supported by some uh, evidence, 
by increasing the power output in a very high power short duration ablation, is it possible to reduce the duration of ablation per lesion? Maybe probably about uh, four or maximum seven seconds. Along with the potential creation of shallower but wider lesions, thus it uh, can facilitate complete isolation while also reducing the procedure time. Uh, and the, uh, the efficacy of the very high power uh, was comparable or even superior compared with long power, long duration, the traditional ablation as mentioned with our paper, and standard high power short duration also. Uh, a shorter ablation time uh, equates to more procedure that can be done within a given time frame. So you also ask about the current approach or uh, other approach like prior ablation and also post field ablation and radio frequency balloon cathodic ablation. Of course, this technique uh, might provide single shot ablation. We we know that. Uh, however, it also have a limitation. The system may need traditional RF ablation. Still need traditional RF ablation if the lesion and circumference is not adequate. So additionally, cases of complex anatomy, uh, which the anatomy cannot fit to the cryome alone, uh, such as high, huge common unshroom of monetary vein, and also uncommon angulation of some vein, and especially of the right inferior vein, it may also have a measurable effect on the efficacy balloon system. But uh, I believe that in the future, with some uh, advanced the catheter design, I think the anatomical issue become less with this technique. But I also believe that uh, till that, ablation is point by point ablation via a single tip catheter, usually combined with three dimensional three D mapping system, is still the most common energy source. Is radical frequency. I think it's still the gold standard for the uh, IF ablation, in my opinion. Thank you, Dr. Iqbal, for the answer. So radio frequency ablation retains advantage that it does not need to revert or to convert to other methods of ablation using different catheter. If, for instance, the lesion encirclement is not adequate or we opted for additional ablation or the, there is anatomical issues uh, let's move on to the next question regarding the lesion formation. Dr. Giki, what is your thought on the lesion biophysics in VHBSD and how can we optimize our ablation? As mentioned by the treatment that ablation in high power for short lesion result in increased uh, resistive heating but reduced in conductive heating. So reduce the potential damage to the surrounding structures. And in the case of very high power short lesion, if we compare the lesion compared with the conventional ablation, the very high power and short lesion creates a more shallower and a wider lesion compared with the conventional. So resulting in the better encirclement and 100% lesion contiguity compared with 
uh, only 25% in the cases of uh, uh, low power and low division ablation, uh, the conventional type. So in animal study demonstrated that in uh, in very high power shot lesion uh, have a reduction in gaps from microscopic gaps or microscopic gaps. Also, if we evaluate the scar formation, lesion formation during follow-up and we use the MRI shows that the, the very high power and shot lesion have a lesion so more durable and more have a translation with homogeneous and contiguous scar formation at, uh, during follow-up. So the this very high power and short region have advantages involving in the atrial tissue that also have a characteristic uh, thin tissue in the case of atrial fibrillation. Because uh, maybe in these cases of the atrial fibrillation, have uh, have match uh, characteristic with the uh, more shallow and uh, more wide lesions, and also we must note that I have uh, several important variables uh, that impact lesion size and transmorality during application of RF energy. Several uh, variables that impact the RF energy include the catheter stability the contact force, the power output, the temperature, and the duration uh, of the RF and degree application. In particular, the catheter contact stability is an uh, important factor contributing the clinical success. A contact force of 8 gram and a maximum temperature of 47 degrees Celsius are optimal cut of value for the adequate Lesion formation. In the very high power shot lesion, as mentioned by Dr. Iqbal, that uh, very high power using 90 watt uh, RF energy and application time just per second are fixed uh, during the ablation. So the maximum temperature result is uh, the only modifiable factor is the contact force. Uh, so ensuring the adequate contact force is uh, very important in the case of very high power and short duration. Thank you, Dr. Giki, for the answer. So to recap, VHPST ablation, we have a shallower and wider lesion compared with conventional ablation, this resulting in better encirclement and lesion contiguity. To optimize ablation using VHPSD, we must maintain a contact force of at least 8 gram. This is important and we should make sure of it to improve our efficiency and efficacy. Which brings us to the next question on technical aspect of ablation. From your point of view, Dr. Iqbal, what are the technical challenges in performing very high power, short duration ablation? Uh, thank you, Dr. Pranata. So I think the Technical challenge issue is similar with the traditional ablation long, uh, low power, long duration. As I remember that uh, very high power duration, especially Q, that uh, for the first time was introduced and go back about three to four years ago with the contact force and temperature control. 
So the duration and stability, stability of the catheter contact play a crucial role in the effective delivery of the radio, radio frequency energy. It's also including low, low power long duration. So using very high power should short duration, is it possible to decrease the required contact time? However, the presence of the catheter instability can be a limitation in very high power short duration ablation, in my opinion. This is due to relatively short contact time, just only four seconds, which means that uh, any movement of the catheter during this period can have a more, more pronounced impact on the quality of the lesion as opposed to long, low power, long duration ablation. Although one may argue that very high power may create an adequate lesion within short time frame and probably contact force will limit this issue. But in instance, uh, when the operator encounters such difficulties, uh, maybe the operator may switch to the conventional method to the long power, uh, low power, long duration, uh, in my opinion. Thank you, Dr. Nikma. To recap, although unlikely, catheter stability may become an issue during VHPSD ablation. However, we can always refer to lower energy setting with longer duration if needed. Okay, Dr. Pranata, I think we shall discuss uh, one of the most important aspects, the safety of very high power ablation. To be, uh, to be sure that very high power ablation can reduce the uh, procedural time, but we have to take a look carefully about the safety of this uh, approach. So, the train one, what is your opinion on the safety profile of the very high power short duration? Uh, thank you, Dr. Iqbal, for your question. In terms of safety, it is noteworthy that VHPSD exceeds a relatively low incidence of adverse events, primarily attributed to vascular access complications which are not direct, directly linked to the use of the high power setting. The incidence of serious adverse events related to catheters, according to our study, such as evolution and cardiac contaminant, was only reported in 6 out of 349 patients, that is 1.7%, and 3 out of 873 patients, that is 0.3%, respectively, so it's a re relatively rare complication. There was no significant difference in terms of cardiac perforation, pericardial effusion, and tamponade in VHPSD compared with the conventional ablation using the meta-analysis technique. The utilization of VHPSD ablation can be particularly advantageous in cases involving thin atrial tissues because it facilitates the creation of shallow and wide lesions. Therefore, our results challenge the concerns that higher power delivery is related to a higher risk of tamponade. The studies did not report eosophageal lesion necessitating intervention, however, caution should be exercised to avoid overlapping of VHPSD lesion, particularly in thin areas near the esophagus, 
and coagulation formation on the catheter tip is not uncommon. Nonetheless, it did not result in a clinically apparent adverse event. So, uh, although there is a, a significant proportion of individuals who undergo VHPS, the ablation experience silent cerebral events due to the absence of pre-procedural cerebral MRI as a comparator, there is uncertainty regarding the extent of uh, such the importance of such procedure-related silent cerebral events in patients with AF who are already susceptible to such events. So the majority of silent cerebral lesions are asymptomatic and resolve on their own. Uh, so we should on, uh, optimize our procedure by effective management of sheets, minimizing left atrial dwell time, continuing anticoagulant, maintaining a target ACT above 300, and delaying post-ablation cardioversion for four weeks. Uh, this may reduce neurological adverse events. In the long term, the benefit of sinus rhythm restoration in terms of cerebrovascular events outweigh the risk of catheter ablation. And in terms of the uh, these silent cerebral events, it is also not uh, it it is also unclear whether it is due to uh, the procedure or only uh, caused by AF in the background in uh, preceding years. So, Dr. Pranata, you already mentioned, as we also mentioned uh, in our paper, the most important thing that the concern of the higher rate of the complication in very high power has been dispelled by this study that show is low incidence of serious complication it, with similar safety profile with the conventional ablation. Uh, low power, long duration. So this is especially important because the septic concern might prevent its adoption in clinical practice and clinical evidence affirm its safety. So I think our paper showed that the very high power short duration is uh, very safe. Thank you, very well. Uh, then one of the most important practical points is when when we should refer to conventional ablation. Uh, Dr. Giki, what is your opinion on reverting to conventional ablation when VHPST ablation is not feasible, and when should we do it? Thank you, Dr. Planeta. As we discussed before, because of it, very high power short duration ablation result in a wide and but a more shallow lesion that in the cases of uh, tissue that were thicker, so we must have a combined approach. You know, ablation may be necessary to to achieve the optimal result. So uh, touch up with the standard power titration mode with temperature control ablation with a power limit of fifty watts. Uh, uh, can allow to achieve uh, maximum pulmonary vein isolation if uh, deemed necessary for uh, such cases uh, that have a thicker uh, tissue. So, uh, if we if we do the ablation uh, that uh, the have a 
only fail recollection during a short-term period of observation, maybe we, we must consider for the conventional ablation as uh, touch up uh, for the very high power shot vision. Uh, so this suggests that the very close protocol can can uh, reduce the the necessity of conventional uh, ablation. And when the PVI is not achieved, uh, uh, the pulmonary vein isolation is not achieved. And also, if there is an acute pulmonary vein uh, recollection, so uh, again, the conventional uh, ablation uh, may be necessary. So also, as uh, mentioned before by Dr. Iqbal, that uh, if we cannot uh, have an adequate contact, also uh, cannot be achieved during the very high power shot duration, uh, we can refer to the conventional ablation. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Iqbal. Uh, so we can always refer to the conventional ablation if PVI is not achieved or there is no, uh, there is acute pulmonary vein reconnection, we can always refer to for additional touch to the uh, using conventional ablation. Uh, and we can always, hey, we can also use a very close protocol uh, described by one of the study we have included. Uh, they say that we can achieve fast and safe PBI without the need for reverting to conventional ablation. Uh, uh, however, we can always refer to conventional ablation if we deem that necessary. Moving forward to the highly debated topic, Dr. Iqbal, uh, a routine additional ablation may not be beneficial. However, can we personalize it uh, based on the patient's characteristics? Okay, thank you, Dr. Pranata. Uh, this is always a very interesting question, so many pro and contra, because several studies show that addition of postural or wall isolation, linear ablation, coffee ablation, do not reduce recurrence of AF in some studies. The same applies for prophylactic CTI ablation during BVI ENF in a patient without typical uh, arterial flutter. So this meta-analysis support the finding of this study and that routine, routine additional ablation might not be necessary. Previous meta-analysis also shown that irrespective of the presence of the typical arterial flutter, additional CTI emulation is not associated with improvement in recurrence of the all arterial arrhythmias compared with PVA alone. But however, the author of this study, additional emulation, uh, may be considered in individual cases, not in written case, of course, with presence of the typical arterial flutter and in patient with recurrent AF after the initial stand-alone BVI procedure, or in patient who do not achieve restoration of stable sinus rhythm despite a successful recurrent BVI. Th uh, that's my opinion. But uh, our paper showed that probably additional ablation in very high power is not uh, beneficial. 
Thank you, Dr. Iqbal, for the explanation. So routine additional ablation may not be necessary. However, it can be individualized, not routinely used. We, can, we may consider additional ablation in the presence of typical atrial flutter or in patients with redo procedures. So from this study, the first point is VHPSD catheter ablation is associated with lower AF recurrence and shorter procedure time than conventional ablation. The second point, routine additional ablation beyond PBI in VHPSD may not provide additional benefits compared with PBI alone. Additional ablation may be considered in individual cases, uh, such as with the presence of typical atrial flutter, or in patients with recurrent AF after initial standalone PVI procedure, or in patients who do not achieve restoration of stable sinus rhythm despite successful recurrent PVI. And the third point, cardiac complications were rare in both VHPSD and conventional ablation group and consisted mostly of vascular access complications. Thus, the use of VHPSD catheter ablation can improve efficiency and outcome without compromising safety endpoints. Uh, very high power short duration uh, can be recommended in uh, our clinical practice. Yeah, we also have a safety profile uh, compared with a conventional beach. Thank you. That's all for uh, the podcast for this uh, study. We hope it uh, can help us in the routine clinical practice.